Well, good morning, Fairhaven Church. Great to see you today. Thank you for being here. I want to welcome you as well if you're a guest. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. It's great to have you. I want to welcome our Northmont campus to the north, Springboro to the south, Beaver Creek to the east, Classics that's with us, and all of you that are right here in the Centerville campus. We have people joining us online in the country here, Dayton, and even in Canada. We've got some friends in Canada that are joining us right now. It's great to have you here with us as well. We are starting a brand new series, three-week series, and I'll show you why it's only three weeks in just a second, but it's called deep down, and I'll talk about that in a second. Before we dive in, though, there's two things I want to mention to you. The first is this Tuesday, August the 8th, is a really, really important date for Ohioans, and so as a follower of Jesus, I really want to encourage you uh, to be aware and to be faithful in understanding what the issue is, um, and then do your civic duty as a follower and vote. So make sure you understand that. Just do some research so that you can be a little bit more aware of what's happening. It's really important for us. Uh, as the state of Ohio. Secondly, we're starting another series. I'm excited about starting a new series in October, our fall series, six weeks. We're going to ask you to get into small groups and talk about it. And the series we're talking about in October is called Let's Talk About It. It's a series that you get to participate in, actually, because the beauty of God's Word is that it tells us uh, things about every aspect of life or gives us at least principles for every aspect of life. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to send questions that you might have spiritually. We're going to combine them together into categories, and we'll address those categories uh, over that series six weeks long. So we're telling you two minutes in advance so that you can actually send your questions in. And you're like, well, what kind of questions? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Here's an example of a question that you might send in. Why do bad things happen? We're, I mean, we're all wondering about that sometimes, right? And so that would be an example of a question that you could send in. I'll show you how to do that in a second. Here's a second kind of question that you might want to send in. Uh, how can I explain the Trinity? That's a tough one right there. And so that's maybe a question that you have there as you're thinking through your spiritual life and, and maybe the things that are coming up in your family or small group. We want to try to address these as, again, because God's word really gives us all these answers. And here's a third question that I think is really important. Why is soccer God's favorite sport? <laughs> oh, we don't need to wait. I can tell you that right now because it's better. Okay, there we go. Uh, that's the series there. And so if you have a question, uh, why don't you send it to the, or text it rather, to the, with the word ask uh, to the number 32,000. Ask to 32,000. And then you can just uh, give us that question. Or you can use our app. Or it's on the app right now, actually, or on the website. Just go on, then go on there and do that. Help us out, if you will, because we do want to address the things that are on your heart as a congregation, the things that your friends are asking, so that we can uh, look into God's word and get some uh, understanding about that. But we are starting a brand new series today uh, called Deep Down. And here's why. Because when you look at your life, uh, things may be going well. Things may be going well for your life. I mean, you may have had a great summer. Things could not be going better for you. Um, and everything appears to be great from the outside. But have you ever had the sense that something is still missing in your life or in your spiritual life? I was doing some research a couple of months ago, and as I was reading through the Gospels, it dawned on me that the things that we're facing today in church, meaning that you and I as 
part of the family of God um, that we're facing in our lives, because sometimes we look great and things are going well, but down deep, deep down in our lives, there's still something that's missing. And I want to show you the research, actually, and then I want to look for answers for that um, in God's Word as I was kind of triangulating on these things that were happening. Here's the research. Barna Group shows us that what Americans are looking for spiritually in their life today, which is really no different than 2,000 years ago, as I was reading in the Gospels, really interesting, is that the number one thing that Americans are looking for spiritually is inner peace. To the tune of 40%, almost 40% of those that claim to be followers of Jesus today across the nation here are dealing with deep down in their life a lack of inner peace. Does the Bible have anything to say about that? Turns out it does, and it's awesome, actually. And so we're going to look at that. Here's the second one, hope. About 35% of Americans are looking for hope in their spiritual life. What does that look like here at Fairhaven? We talk about find hope, and so I'm going to really look at that and unpack what hope is. That's such an important, important word. And then the third one is healing and forgiveness, although you see there's many other things that are really, really close in percentages. Here's what that tells us. The research tells us that many of us, we're doing well, we look great on the outside, but down deep, um, we're pulled apart. We, we feel fragmented in our spiritual life. And so we're going to look to see how we can bring that together and how, through God's word, he can share, share with us and talk to us about how um, we can address all of these, or at least the three issues that we can address in our life. See, Jesus knew, Jesus knew something 2,000 years ago. He knew that deep down, the disciples were wrestling with a lack of inner peace. He knew that, and that's why he said the words that will read in John chapter uh, 14. So grab a Bible with you. I hope you have one with you. You can power your devices up. Uh, in this uh, gospel, John, Jesus mentions to the disciples um, how to experience inner peace. Would anybody be interested in knowing that today? I know I would, because if the research is right, there's about 40% of us in all of our campuses, those that are watching online, 40% um, of us that are lacking inner peace deep down in our life. Things may look great on the outside, but deep down we may be lacking inner peace. And so how do we find that? What does Jesus have to say to us about it? Um, what we're going to discover today is that as Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, it's a progressive conversation that really gets to the secret. There's one thing. Only one thing, listen for it, because I'll give it to you at the end here, there's only one thing that you and I need to understand that will bring inner peace in our life, and Jesus lays it out for us. It's absolutely unbelievable. Let's take a look. John chapter 14, drop down to verse 25 um, in, the, in the, the chapter 14 there. And as I begin reading this, um, let me just set it up for you. Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. There is only 11 of them there. And part of the reason why the disciples were wrestling with inner peace is because they had just come into Jerusalem, things looked great, I mean, they were waving branches, Hosanna, they thought that, you know, Rome was coming down, turns out it didn't, and so then Jesus gets the disciples together and he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to leave you, and one of you is going to betray me, and Judas leaves the room. You can just imagine that the air in the room was gone. I mean, it's a tense, tense moment. There is probably no inner peace. 
in the life of those 11 disciples as I sit there thinking, oh my word, what just happened? I mean, I thought, Jesus, you're just on the rise here. I mean, things are really starting to happen and he's going to leave. He's going to die. And Judas just betrayed him. At the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, let's go. And they head to the garden of Gethsemane. And he has a conversation with them, the disciples, in John chapter 15. I really encourage you this week, if you're looking for a place to go, and, and perhaps you're in between places in your, maybe your own personal time, read John chapter 15, because Jesus says, on the heels of talking about inner peace, he says, here's how you do that. You stay connected to me, like a vine and a branch. Um, you draw near to me, and we'll talk about that in a second. Here it is, John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. Because he's told him he's leaving. He's told him he's going to die. He told him somebody's going to betray him and Judas walked out. But, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God is going to give to us, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to give you a helper the Holy Spirit, and we have that today. I mean, Scripture tells us that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him and recognizing that there's a broken relationship between you and God, there's nothing you can do to repair that. You feel fragmented in every way of your life and that you can build that relationship back because of what Jesus accomplished. That's why we're having communion today to remind us of that. And if you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what we know about that is that the Bible tells us that then you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit deposited in your life. That you can have God with you every moment of the day through the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. Think about that for a minute. That's amazing. You know, a lot of the religions of the world, you have to have to go to a building or go to a place in order to worship God. We don't. God is inside of us by the Holy Spirit, and we gather together because of the encouragement that it is, and catch this, because there's only one person in this audience in all of our campuses, and that's God himself. So we gather together because we want to be the one worshiping God, the only person who is in the audience today. We're all participants in this, and so he's talking to them. And then he says this in verse 27, here's the key. Here's the progression. Here's the secret to inner peace. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If, I, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Psalm 110 verse 1 tells us that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's speaking on our behalf, even now. Because probably about 40% of us are lacking inner peace, and he knows that, and he's having a conversation with the Father. Isn't that awesome? That the Spirit of God wants to do something in our lives about that. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus actually said that I'm going to go and I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. And so right here, Jesus gives us the secret, the progression of how you and I are to understand the, the aspect of finding inner peace in our life. He uses the word peace, which by the way is used about 400 times in the Bible. It's a word that's used all through the Bible. It's prolific. It's the word peace, which means the word shalom. 
Some of you probably have heard that before. This is the Hebrew right here, shalom, it means peace. And shalom is a very big word because it's used in a variety of different settings. Like for example, you can say shalom as a greeting. You can say that today if you want to somebody be around you. Or you could say shalom as a way of leaving, saying goodbye. So it's hello or goodbye. Shalom could mean the blessing of God upon you. And so may the shalom of God be on all of you today, wherever you're at, whatever campus you're at. It could be, it could be that. It means so many different things. But when you look at the root and the etymology of the word shalom, if you were to study it, I've done that for you. Here's what the meaning of shalom really means. That's why Jesus used this word, talking about inner peace. See, peace or shalom means that to tie together all essential parts as a whole. Let me explain. Jesus is saying that if you tie together all the aspects of your life and you bring them together, you will have peace. You will have the shalom of God. In other words, when you tie your mind and your heart and you tie them together and you tie your attitudes and your actions and you tie them all together, you become tied together as a whole and you will experience inner peace. Has there ever been a time in your life where you know in your head that you should do something or that you should be thinking about something and yet your heart is like, I'm not doing it. Has there ever been a conversation where you know you shouldn't say that and you said it. Has there ever been a situation in your life where I don't think I should probably be involved in that and you, be in, and you, you, know, you get involved? Of course we have. And so you know what it means to be fragmented. You know, I know what it means to be disjointed or to be you know, apart like this. And Jesus says, I want to provide inner peace for you. And that peace comes when you're tied together so that you are a whole and I'm going to be in the middle of all of that. So based on that, inner peace then for us, as we're talking about inner peace deep down in our lives, inner peace then means a heart at rest. Our hearts are at rest because the heart and mind are joined together. I want you to notice something right away here, and that is we haven't said anything at all about circumstances. Have you noticed that, church? Because you'll find out in a second that circumstances, in a sense, don't matter, even though in many ways, our circumstances really play into this. And so how do we get the better of this? And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to start out with you and give you five barriers to inner peace. Because when you study the scripture, you'll find that there are all kinds of barriers that you and I face on a daily basis that robs us of inner peace. And then I want to take a look at the actual words that Jesus gave to us in verses 27 and 28. And I want you to see that there's a progression here and that he gets to the secret. Is anybody interested in knowing the secret to inner peace? I know I am. So let me give you the barriers first, because I think the barriers will help us as we begin thinking about this. Five of them, to be exact, there's probably more, but the scriptures talk at least about these five. Here are the barriers to having inner peace in your life. The first one, the first barrier, is an attachment to outcomes. When you and your life are excessively attached to outcomes in your life, now, right away, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, um, should, I, should I not have goals in my life? Should I, should I have not, you know, things in my life that I'm hoping for? I'm not saying that. I'm saying an excessive um, attitude or an excessive desire, uh, attachment to outcomes. In fact, let me talk to you men, because I'm talking to my sons about this all the time, uh, one of them to specifically right now. Men, 
you and I, guys, we should actually probably write down things like, what kind of man do I want to be? Maybe jot down some words. What kind of follower of Jesus do I want to be? What kind of husband do I want to be if you're married? What kind of father do I want to be if you're, if you're a father? Because when you write those things down, it gives you an objective that you can get up every day and you can say, God, I, this is who I want to be and I believe you want me to be this and so I want to go after that. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, when you and I get caught up with success and we get caught up with wanting to compete with those around us and, and so be careful to understand that it's really the operative word of excessive attachment to specific outcomes. Here's what happens. There are setbacks, there are disappointments, and inner peace is lost. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. You know why? Because tomorrow will worry about tomorrow. In other words, God will help you today in what you're dealing with, which by the way is part of the secret, so stay tuned. God will help you in what you're dealing with today, and he'll do the same thing tomorrow. That's what Jesus is saying. So one of the barriers that we have is an attachment to outcomes. Secondly, second barrier to, to inner peace is unresolved conflicts. This is really difficult because you've probably heard that conflicts are hard. And in fact, it's probably one of the biggest barriers. It's not the biggest. I'll show you the biggest one in a second. But it's one of the biggest conflicts that we have. But you know, as you go through life, it's difficult because there are some conflicts that you may have that will never be resolved. Because they're either gone, or they've moved out of town, or some, something has happened where you, know, you don't have the ability to resolve it or be completely reconciled. So how do we think about this in terms of ways that God would want us to? Let me give you a couple things if you're thinking about this, or if this is where right now you have no inner peace because of some conflict in your life. Let me help you with a couple things that you might want to think through as I've been thinking through them in my own life. When we think of unresolved conflicts, we have to think about in our own lives about lingering resentments. You may have a lingering resentment towards somebody else, and here's what I know about you because I know it about me, it's going to rob you of inner peace. Lingering resentments in life. You know what's interesting is that unresolved conflict in our life, it affects us, but do you know it affects the community around us? I mean, it affects our families, it affects our friends, it affects the church. It's amazing how that happens. You know, one conflict can affect so many. It's like a rock in a river or in a pond. It just ripples out to the, to the edge. It's just really absolutely incredible. So we need to think about lingering resentments. Here's something else we need to think about. We need to think about letting go of bitterness. Because resentment can turn into bitterness and can get a little bit harder. And then bitterness, here's the third one. Bitterness can turn actually into anger. And anger then really causes us to walk around with this huge, like 100-pound backpack in our life where we walk around with this anger um, towards somebody. They may not even know it. They may be gone. They may be somewhere else. And, and so I think it's really important that we see this, that unresolved conflict is one of the barriers 
to inner peace. That's exactly why I believe that Paul wrote one of the letters that he wrote to Romans, uh, to the Roman church, and he said this in Romans chapter 12. He said, let your love be genuine. Make sure that you abhor evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another in brotherly affection. Outdo each other in showing honor. Don't be, don't be lazy. Be fervent. Uh, rejoice in hope. Contribute to the needs of those that are around you. Uh, bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who are weeping in their life. Live in harmony. Don't be proud. Don't you know, associate with everybody, not just, the, you know, not just those that have, not just those that are lowly. Associate with everybody. Um, never be wise in your own eyes. Like when you look in the mirror, never be wise when you look in the mirror. And then he boils it all down. He says this. So if it's possible, it's Paul talking to the Roman church, if it's possible, so far as it depends on you and me, Live at peace with all. After he gives his whole list, he says, if at all possible, if it's dependent on you, if it's up to you and if it's up to me, because we're followers of God, we should live at peace with everybody. He tells the same thing to the Corinthian church. He said, the God of love and peace is with you, so live in peace. He says the same thing, uh, the Hebrew writer says the same thing, strive for peace with everybody. It's all through the Bible. Because you see, one of the barriers for inner peace is absolutely unresolved conflicts. It's one of, big, one of the big ones, actually. Here, here's the third one. If you're jotting these down, the barriers to inner peace, and that's excessive worry. And I use the word excessive because I think all of us at some level worries a little bit. I mean, it's just part of human nature. We just, we have a tendency to be anxious about different things. But if it's excessive and it's crippling, it's gonna rob you of inner peace for sure. And excessive worry is really, really difficult. That's exactly why we read in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. And then he describes birds and flowers as a way of saying, I got this. I got you. Uh, you don't need to worry. But worry is so true. Here's what's interesting about worry. Worry is really being consumed with the future that you haven't had yet, which impacts your present, right? I mean, worry is worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, which actually impacts your today, the moment you have now. And so worry certainly is one of the barriers to inner peace in our life. Let me give you four things to think about when it comes to worry. Four activities that you could do that I have found to be helpful in my life. Number one, you ought to be saying to yourself, as I'm trying to do that myself, you ought to be saying to yourself, God, I trust you. Just say it out loud, or in your car, or you know, at work, or wherever you might be. God, I trust you. And when you have a thought that comes up that worries you, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you. Man, it feels good to even say it. God, I trust you. Here's a second thing that I think will be helpful for us when we have excessive worry. We should be asking ourselves, is there something that I need to do? Because I have found, and I think you probably have as well, that when you worry, sometimes it's because we've procrastinated on doing something or we haven't done what we know to be right to do and therefore we're worrying about it and so really the problem is not God, the problem is you or me. Sometimes we just need to take action. And so the second thing I would say is ask yourself, is there something I need to do that would minimize this worry. Here's a third thing you might wanna do. Take a deep breath. How many of you know a deep breath is so powerful, right? 
Just take a deep breath. In fact, why don't you just try it right now? Just breathe in and, yeah, just take a deep breath, right? Yeah, and those of you that are new are like, this place is weird. I know, I know. Take a deep breath. I mean, it's very practical. And then here's number four. Just say out loud, God, I trust you. Start there and end there. God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Excessive worry is absolutely one of the barriers to inner peace. Here's the fourth one, and that's comparison or envy. Jesus tells a really interesting parable or a story in Luke chapter 18. And the story is about these two guys that go in to pray at the temple. One of them is a Pharisee and one of them is a tax collector. So the Pharisee goes in and he stands out front so everybody can hear him and in the story. And he prays out loud, God, I'm so thankful that you, know, that you are who you are and that I am who I am. I'm so grateful that I'm not like all these other people out here. You know, I'm so thankful that, you know, that I'm living my life right and, you know, as he's looking around at everybody. And then the tax collector comes in and he comes in and his head is bowed and he's just about on his knees in the story. And, um, and he prays, God, have mercy on me. I have done wrong. God, have mercy on me. And then Jesus asked the question of those that were listening, the disciples and the Pharisees overheard it actually. And he says, um, which one do you think God paid attention to? Well, it's really interesting that in this story, there's so much comparison that goes on. And the problem is, is that you and I face the same things. It looks sort of like this in our lives. See, sometimes we're tempted to look at someone who's not doing as well as we are in any category of life, spiritually, financially, relationally, emotionally. You, you pick your category. We have a tenth temptation to look at people who are not doing as well as we are and sort of feel better about ourselves. At least I'm not like that guy. But you know what the result of that is? No inner peace. No inner peace. The, the flip side to that is sometimes we have a temptation to look at people who, you know, who are doing better than us. And we feel a sense of envy, like, you know what? I should have that job. Why can't my house look like that? I mean, my car barely gets to you know, point B. I mean, and when we do that, you know what happens? We feel worse about ourselves. Result, no inner peace. It's amazing how either side, there's just no inner peace. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to look him in the eye in order that he would look back at us and say, there's only one of you and I'm okay with you. I'm happy with you. Do the right things. Live as a follower of Jesus. Be obedient. Don't compare. Don't be envious because that just destroys the sense of inner peace in our life. There's one more. Let me give it to you. And I think this is the worst one of them all, actually. This is the biggest barrier to inner peace, and that's this, human sinfulness. <laughs> it's when you and I don't live in obedience to God, when we live broken and we are, we're fragmented and we say one thing and we do another. We, we talk about a life, but we don't actually live out the life in our life. And so it's really difficult. We're fragmented. There is no shalom in our lives. You with me, church? There's none of that. We're not tied together in any way. And so that comes into our life. And human sinfulness is really, really a, a barrier in our life. And we see it all through Scripture that we can see. Let me give you one Scripture, which is really interesting. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Let me read it for you. Here's what it says. But your iniquities, talking about me, talking about you, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you 
so that he will not hear. My grandkids are in town right now. It's awesome. My, grand, my daughter-in-law is sitting right here with us. It's awesome to have her in for the week. And you know what's really interesting is that when I'm with my grandson and he does something that he knows is not right, he'll run off and I can't see his face. And I can't kind of hear him because he's got his head turned. Now, whose problem is that? It's not mine. It's his problem. See, when you and I walk away and there's a brokenness with God, it's not, it's not that God can't hear us. It's that we run off and we turn our heads and we can't hardly hear and, and we say things and, you know, and it's hard. The relationship is broken there. Human sinfulness uh, pops in. That's exactly what Isaiah chapter 59 is saying. Paul says it in Romans chapter 5. All through scripture, the biggest barrier for us to inner peace is the sinfulness in our life. That's why communion is so important. I hope you have your elements. Because in a few minutes, we're going to have communion. And what we remind ourselves by the bread is that God placed his judgment on Jesus for our behalf. And then we flip it over in the cup there. The cup is a reminder that God placed his forgiveness on us because of what Jesus did in shedding his blood. That's amazing. It's amazing. We all know that sinfulness is really a, a huge, huge uh, breaker of inner peace in our life. But then here's what I want to do with you as we conclude here. I just want to look at the statements that Jesus makes, and let's get a progression here, and then I want to give you the secret uh, to how to find inner peace, because Jesus gives it to us, actually. And so let's take a look. Drop down to verse 27 again. It's in 27 and 28. The phrases that he gives to us, uh, and it's this. He starts out, this is Jesus speaking. He says to you and to me, peace, I leave with you. Did you catch that? Peace, I leave with you, Jesus says. See, inner peace, inner peace, beginning the the conversation, is the recognition of the presence of God. He says, I I give it to you. I'm, I'm with you. The presence of God is so powerful, keeping in mind that the Spirit of God is inside of us, and so we've been given this great gift of how you and I can experience the presence of God because he's right there with us. What does the presence of God mean to us? It means that we can have confidence that we're in relationship with him. It means that we can have a sense of believing in the the fact that he's right there. We don't have to run. He's right there. We can have awareness of his love. We can have a promise of his strength. We can have courage because of the fact that he, you know, he wants us to do the right things. And so we have the courage to do that. Jesus starts off. It's progressive. He starts off by saying, peace, I leave with you. My presence is with you, Jesus says. That's big. And then he says this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Wow. Inner peace is not only the recognition of presence, inner peace is given. It's not attained. See, Jesus is peace. Isaiah tells us that he's the prince of peace. Isaiah doesn't say he's a prince with peace. He's the prince of peace. And that is that Jesus will give us his peace through the spirit of God because peace is one of the fruits of the spirit listed for us in scripture. 
And so it's given to us. It's not something that you can attain. It's not like you can do more spiritual things or, you know, that you can attend more Bible studies or, you know, that's not how it happens. It happens through a relationship and that Jesus will give it to you because he wants you to experience inner peace because inner peace is the shalom of your whole life being tied together so that you can become whole and live out your life no matter what the circumstances are. And so peace is given to us. That's what Jesus says. He says, peace, I give to you. That's why James, his brother, who probably should know, right? I would would think that James would know. James is his half-brother. James says in James chapter 4, verse 8, that if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Wow. That's exactly then why in John chapter 15, as they were walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus pointed out, there's a vine and there's a branch. And I want you to notice something, that when they're connected, there's a lot of power there. You know, the, bra- the branch needs the vine. And, and so he's talking about a relationship. And so when you draw close to God, um, and you do that by making sure that you recognize his presence, making sure that you're involved in your, your spiritual life. We want you in groups. We want you to come on a weekend to celebrate him and to worship him and to read his word. That's all part of drawing near to him. Because when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And you know what the result of that is? Inner peace. Because it's given. It's not something that you attain. Then he goes on. Let's take a look. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Jesus is making it very clear to the disciples because they just heard about the fact that he's going to leave and he's going to die and Judas is going to betray him and Judas just left the room. So the progression of this conversation is that inner peace has little to do with the external circumstances and surroundings. has very little to do with that. Now, there's the danger of allowing it to, but when Jesus offers his peace, it has very little to do with the circumstances. That's why you and I can have peace, according to Paul in Philippians chapter four, that passes all understanding. It doesn't even make sense because God will tie it together and make us whole. No matter what we're facing in life, we can experience the peace of God. See, it's peace that's not like the world. Solomon tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that he he chased after pleasure, he chased after money, he chased after sex, he chased after habits, and he says in Ecclesiastes it was all, well, it was meaningless. And then he says something in Proverbs 3 that I want to read for you in just a second. But you see, here's what the world offers. The world says that you will have inner peace if you have more. More. The world says that you'll have inner peace if you have no problems. The world says you'll have inner peace if you just look within. Have you ever heard that before? You just need to find it within. You need to meditate better and find it within yourself. No. It's given to us by Jesus Christ, through the Spirit. See, the world says you'll find inner peace by doing whatever that makes you happy. So just live your life and whatever makes you happy. And what I have discovered, and I'm sure you have as well, there may be momentary happiness, but there's a lack of inner peace really quickly. See, the world offers very little to us. And then Jesus says this. Let's look at it. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. 
And here's the secret. Jesus is progressing through his comments here, progressing all the way, and he gets to the last one. Here's the secret to finding inner peace, and that's this, that you come to trusting God. Where out loud, you just say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I don't, I don't know how to solve this whole thing, but I trust you. I trust you know my situation, you know my dilemma, you know the relationship, you know the finances, you know the health that I'm dealing with. I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. It's no wonder that Solomon wrote these words. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths, anybody know? Straight. What a great promise that is that when you and I trust God, we can experience inner peace. See, the challenge for us is not to allow the outer unrest of circumstances because we have them. You know, some of us have gotten MRIs back. Some of us have seen a doctor recently. Some of us are dealing with a relationship issue or a financial crunch in our life or whatever it might be in our life. See, don't allow the outer unrest of the circumstances to rob us of our inner peace. The secret to inner peace is simply this, for you to say, God, I trust you. It's just that simple. Some of you are like, really? Yep. I wish it was more complicated. It's not. God, I trust you. Would you bow with me? Because if the research is right, there's about 40% of us that are struggling with inner peace. And what would it be like if in prayer, silently, you were just to say, God, I trust you. I don't understand all of it, but I trust you. Father, I pray that you would hear our prayer today. I pray for all of us as we're gathered here in all of our campuses online. We thank you, Father, for these such comforting, encouraging, powerful words. The Lord, you've told us that your presence and by your gift and by the fact that our external circumstances don't bear much weight, that we just simply need to trust you. So God, we come to you today as a congregation, as a whole, to say, God, we trust you. We trust you for today. We trust you for tomorrow. As we get up tomorrow, I pray, Lord, through this whole week, you would help us to trust you in all things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen.